Hello, and welcome to episode 207 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Anise H. and Dana Y. to the Modern Manager community. One of the benefits of membership is our private Slack group. I personally respond to every message that is posted, so you can ask questions, seek advice, or request recommendations for resources from me and the other members. Access to this group starts at just $5 per month. Learn more at themodernmanager.com slash join. Today's guest is Summit Gupta. Summit spent 20 years doing software, started two for-profit and one nonprofit organizations, and is a photographer. He combines his experience as a techie, engineer, three-time entrepreneur, leader in companies like Yahoo and Booking.com, and as a poet and photographer to help leaders merge the science of doing business with the art of leadership. Summit and I talk about the seven paradoxes of leadership. These paradoxes, which he identified, are concepts that shift the way we think about leadership and what it takes to be a great manager. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Summit. I'm super excited to talk with you because you laid out some paradoxes, which I just thought captured some of these concepts of leadership so beautifully and how hard it is to just step into the mindset of being a manager. And so I want to I want to talk with you and unfold and unpack all of these uh, paradoxes that you've de- developed. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And I'm all willing to talk about these paradoxes. So why don't you start by just giving us the high level, what are these seven paradoxes? And then we'll take some time to to dive into these really juicy ones. But just first, just like tell us, what are these paradoxes and what makes them a paradox? Yeah, I think what makes anything a paradox is uh, something which seemingly sounds true, but it is false, or the other way around. And I think leadership is one topic which if you search on Amazon or if you search on Google, you will find millions of titles or thousands, tens of thousands of books and experts. And yet when we talk to people who are working, almost everybody is suffering from bad, bad side effects of poor leadership. So why is it so difficult to really understand something which we have been doing for so long and get it right? And... Personally, for for me, I have seen myself move from being a bad manager to a good manager. Uh, So I've seen the role and I've been at the effect of all of these paradoxes. So they have come out of personal experiences uh, and they, so I have learned something the hard way. And what I do with these paradoxes is make sure that others don't have to do the same. Uh, So that's my my take on um, these paradoxes that we get a lot wrong about leadership. Uh, and then I try to make it as simple as possible for people to understand and act upon. I love that you're, you know, you you develop these both from personal experience, right? That you've you've felt them, and that they are contrary to kind of the popular belief about how we show up. Like it's a little bit of a, a like a mindset shift. It's a little bit of like a twist of thing of having to step back and say, just because this is what everyone else is telling me to do, or just because it seems obvious, doesn't actually mean it's the right approach to take. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. All right. Well, why don't you walk us through these seven paradoxes? Sure. 
so before before I go there, right, I want to add something to what you just shared about a mindset shift. And it's very important because uh, normally when we look at human beings, normally when we look at management or leadership, we emphasize a lot on our brains or our analytical mind and our head. And I think these all of these paradoxes exist because they point to one big mind shift, shift that leadership is a full body contact sport. It's not just only your mind operating. So the mindset shift is actually seeing yourself fully more than what you have learned, what your skills are, what you have studied as a leader. And then that creates a space for these paradoxes or a new way of looking at the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, it's when you first started saying it's a full body contact sport, I was like, really? Like, I'm I'm very curious to see where you're taking this one. But after you've kind of explained it, I think you're right that like it is not just about what's in our head, right? It is really about how we show up fully, right? What's in our heart, how we express that through our actions and behaviors and our engagements. It has to be more than just what's in our head or we're only kind of doing half the work to show up. Sure. So let me let me go over these paradox paradoxes and feel free to stop me and like go deeper into any of these. All right. Uh, so the first paradox is that you build trust by trusting others first and not by asking for proof or reasons for trusting them. The second one is leadership is all about conversations and everything else, all the results is a function of your conversations. The third one is fear is your friend because it tells you what is important to you. And then without fear, there is no growth possible. The fourth one is leadership is about power, but not the way people normally think about it. The fifth one is basically there is no such thing as failure. And I think that's a big one. And uh, I had a statement that we would all still be crawling if failure was real. And we can unpack this later. Uh, the sixth one is emotions and vulnerability are actually our strengths. And the more we accept ourselves and be open, the more people listen to us and will respect us and our leadership gets better. And the last one is that we cannot control or change anybody else. And as a leader, uh, you can be in charge, but you can never be in control. Oh my gosh, these are so good and so juicy. Let's start with this idea. Let's actually start with number one, with you build trust by trusting first. And because I think it's actually a foundation to a lot of these other paradoxes. And trust is something that comes up over and over again, as I'm sure it does with you when talking to clients about how to engage their colleagues, how to give them more autonomy or responsibility or to create psychologically safe spaces. Like trust underpins all of that. So what's going on with this? You've got to trust first. Yeah, I think it's a it's a cycle. Normally, the traditional sense goes that if we have signed a contract with somebody, then that would create trust or that would decide the agreements on how we work together. And then the the future trust is a result of how well somebody does or doesn't do in at, as, as their role, as part of their job. However, at the same time, if you start from that, if you start looking for reasons for why to trust somebody, you have kind of already started on the wrong foot. And when it comes to psychological safety, the single best act you can make is trusting somebody fully, which is basically trusting their intentions 
and then trusting their skills, especially if you have hired them, if you have take, if they have gone through an interview process, if they are on your team, then trusting their skills and their intentions, and then dealing with whatever happens later, right? So unless proven otherwise, we trust somebody in the right intention. Um, and I think another another sub element is that to be able to do so, you have to be able to trust yourself first. So as a leader. Unless you trust yourself, unless you trust yourself to be successful and to make your team successful, it's impossible to extend that trust to others. So that's um, how I would uh, introduce the first paradox. Have you had experiences where that trust has paid off, where like you went into a situation where maybe the, the kind of old you or the previous way you might have approached something would have been to, you know, hold off, but then you applied this paradox for yourself? Yes, exactly. I think this is very practical for most people. If we ask ourselves, when have we trusted somebody fully, we will often see that it has been when somebody has trusted us back. Um, and this normally comes up uh, as a question, right? Why should I trust somebody? And a very easy answer to that is that if you if you were to flip it around, how do you want to be treated by others? Do you want to be treated with suspicion and always looking for reasons to, uh, to to believe you or not? Or do you want others to trust you and so that you can relax and have a good day? And the moment I ask this question to anybody, everybody replies that the people whom they have found easy to trust and they have felt safe to be really open have those who have trusted themselves first. So it's a, it's a paradox. But it's very evident when we ask ourselves this question, and then a single question can can very easily show a person that it's actually an act of giving first, and then we receive something. Yeah, this makes sense. And I'm thinking about even when I onboard a new assistant, which I did about a year ago, that my approach with her was like, I'm handing over my life to you, and I am I am trusting you to make sense of it and to make good decisions on my behalf, and I'm here to support you, but. I'm I'm letting you drive the boat here, right? Like that for me was a huge moment of allowing someone else to step into control over things that were very close to me and very important to me. But you're right that like that really empowered her to come back and ask questions and to make decisions. And they weren't always right. And we talk about why. But it started with me saying, okay. I am trusting you to do all of this. I hired you for a reason and I'm I'm trusting that I made a good decision and I'm trusting that you can take this and run with it and you will come when you need help. Exactly. Yeah. And, and just to add on that, because that's a wonderful example. So what I would add is that trusting others is not being blind or not ignoring any concern you have. It's actually being open and transparent about any concerns you have. And if you're giving somebody the reins of your boat, then it's your responsibility to show them which direction are we heading, what is important to me, what are my values, so that they can make decisions, right? So it's not never about being blind. It's always about clearing out the expectations, telling them what they are supposed to be doing, why, and which direction are we heading, and then leaving them to, to take their best judgment, to take their best decisions. Love it. That's so so important too. We got to set the direction and give give clear expectations so people know what they're doing. 
All right, let's shift and let's talk about paradox number four. Leadership is about power, but not the way you think. Because that one's a little like, hmm, what, what, what is power about then? Yeah. So leadership, right? Leadership. Normally, we see this word with titles, with positions, or with power to destroy, mostly, like power over weapons, power over money. I think that's um, one mindset around leadership that we inherit from the world we live in. But at the same time, if I really, really go deeper, leadership is always about producing a result. Leadership is never about the title. And leadership is never self-proclaimed or leadership is never derived from the title. Leadership is always derived from the people who give you the respect that that title deserves. So if somebody is the president or a prime minister, and if the people don't really respect or care about that person, they will not have any power. They will not have any leadership authority over their people. While on the other hand, if somebody who doesn't hold any official position, and we have had examples of such people in the in the past. So if somebody doesn't even hold an official position, but people respect that person, people listen to that person, then they are a leader, more powerful than a person with power, like in a traditional sense, uh, but without the respect, without the listening of, of others around them. This is so essential. So I feel like there's so many times where managers feel like they don't have the authority to make decisions. They don't have the power within or to control within their organization, their policies or the projects they're working on or the priorities that they're setting. And yet what I hear you saying is that that's not the only form of power. Like that may be some authority or, or decision-making control that you might have. But in reality, the the power you get is by having a team that follows you, right? That works well with you, that produces results. And that that actually gives you a lot of power as a leader, a lot of influence as a leader, even without some of these more traditional forms of power that you might feel like you don't have. Yeah. And we often see power as a dirty word or a negative word because we normally see power over something. Or right, if I become a leader, then I'm higher than somebody or better than somebody. But in a, in a way, power is always about producing a result and, and then re- producing a result for people who work for you. Right? So it's, it's never about that authority or being superior or being above somebody. It's always about taking action to produce a result which matters to everybody, like which doesn't only matter to me as a leader, which matters to everybody. Because if I only care about what matters to me, I will lose that power from the people who report to me. So uh, I think power is a powerful uh, word. And seeing power as a dirty word sometimes takes away leaders from leadership, from exercising uh, that choice, which they have in every moment to exercise that power. Is there something in particular that you recommend people do to kind of step into their power as a leader in this way? I think a very simple question that people can ask is this, in this moment, what do I need to do or what choice do I need to make? Right. So you, you gave an example earlier about not having the power to do something. And that might be derivative of your role or of the title or of the responsibility you have. But at the same time, you always have the choice to do something about it. Either talk to your team about it, either talk to your superiors about it, or 
do anything about it but you always have the power to take the next action even if you do not have the power to take a big action like like creating a new team or hiring somebody else you still have the power to do something in the larger interest of what you are responsible for and what result you are accountable to create i love that it's a great reminder that we are still always in in control of ourselves which actually takes us to paradox number 7 you cannot control anybody else you can be in charge but not in control can you say more about this one yeah i think this is a this is a big one and this is a big misconception that we can change again change others other people and this is again coming from power right a lot of people come to me from a position of power and who have a leadership position and then say that how can i inspire my people how can i change somebody right how can i see somebody see the way i see things and many times my answer is that you cannot you can only show up in a certain way that people are inspired that people are motivated or they are willing to change but you cannot force anybody to change and if you do that if you use your authority or if you use fear or if you use rewards or punishment to change somebody you can get compliance you can get obedience but you cannot get creativity you cannot get openness you cannot get trust so leading by example right we use this phrase a lot leading by but this is exactly what it means if i want to inspire my people can i show up in a way that people are inspired because of who i am and because of what i say and what i do rather than me trying to convince somebody that they should be inspired they should change they should do this or that and so on this one is so it's such a tricky one cuz i feel like that's on the basis of so many conversations i have with my clients is i'm struggling with this person and i need them to change right i'm i'm worried that they're not going to be successful here i need them to step up i need them to alter their behavior i need them to show up differently as a colleague i need them to whatever it is and it's so hard to accept this fact that we can't make people change right we can lay out the path as you're saying we can inspire them we can give them direction we can give them advice we can give them coaching we can give them warnings and we can give them rewards we can we can set that stage for them but at the end of the day they have right they have that position of power too for themselves like they have to make the choice to to follow us they have to make the choice to accept these changes and to 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 step into that and as much as we want to be able to just you know lay out a plan and be say go and let people you know just run with it that's not how that's not how the works we're all autonomous yes and i think that's one of the key things about leadership is that when you work with people when you present them your ideas they have that choice to say no to you or they have that choice to disagree and bring their voice in and then actually by listening to those voices and having a conversation you can actually create something even better that you originally started with which might have been your idea right or your or your plan plan of action and there is a very simple practice i think which um, I, i sometimes demonstrate when i am in front of groups of people so if you ask two people to uh, to raise their palms up raise their hands up and then you ask one person to push the other person on on their hand what happens is that the other other person automatically pushes back 
right? So as human beings, we we don't like to be pushed. And telling somebody what to do or trying to force any change or any idea or any opinion is like pushing somebody and not giving them autonomy. And so this, this brings uh, us back to the whole circle of trust. Every time you push people, they will push you back. It's it's so ingrained in us as human beings. So just to write, reiterate it again, right? We can only create the conditions for people to change, but we cannot change them in a way that that says that I can control them. This is so great. All right, I want to move to our next ones. I think we're only going to get to one more. So I think we should go into this one about fear. That fear mm-hmm. is your friend because it tells you what's important and it, without fear, there's no growth. So, because th- this, again, l- like so many of these, right? Like as managers, I hear this, you know, I- I'm afraid people are going to, I'm going to, you know, imposter syndrome or, you know, I'm going to make a wrong choice or, you know, my people are going to, are, you know, I'm not going to be able to lead them effectively. Like there's so much fear, especially for new managers stepping into this role. So let's unpack this, this idea of that fear is actually important. Yes. So first of all, when I, when I ask people, why are they not moving forward or why, why are they not achieving what they want to achieve? A very common answer is fear. And it's, it's universal. And what makes it worse is that we make it wrong to experience fear. And then we, so we add, we become guilty. We experience guilt over experiencing fear and not being able to be courageous. So this is the paradox. The paradox is, is, is that like fear is trying to tell you something and it's very neutral. It's very natural as an emotion, which all human beings have. And it is bas- basically telling you that this is the edge of your skills. This is where your skills stop. And beyond this is something new and which is natural, right? If you move towards doing something which you have never done, you will experience a little bit of nervousness, uncertainty and fear, which is a very natural thing. But if you make fear wrong, if we say that I should not be feeling fear or I should not have fear in this case, then we actually make it difficult for us to listen to the message behind the fear. Another way to look at it, look at this is that we only fear about issues which are meaningful for me. Right? So right, right, right now I am not fearing something which is not even on my agenda. I am not fearing about bungee jumping. I am not scared of bungee jumping because I don't even want to do bungee jumping. Right? But if I have a vision, if I have a dream, then that's where the fear comes in. So fear is actually telling you what is important to you. And it's it's an invitation for you to take small baby steps towards that. And then by practice, by taking those small baby steps, you expand your edge. So your, your edge will still remain, but you will expand it so that in a way that you experience fear now at doing much more than what you were experiencing it at a level before. I will, I will give you another example. I have, a, I have a two and a half year old son and he started walking around an year back. And before he started walking, every time he would try to stand on his two feet and then walk and he would fall down. Right, And then he would stand up again and fall down. And I, I'm sure he would experience fear in those moments because when he, fe- fe- when he falls down, he doesn't know where will he hurt himself. Sometimes he used to hurt his hands, sometimes his head. But he never, or, or any child, never lets fear stopping them 
But as adults, as human beings, what we do is we allow fear to stop us. Right? So fear is an indication that we are on the right track, that we are moving forward. And then there is growth beyond that. Right? And um, another, another way to put it is that if, if a child would be scared and then stop themselves from walking, then we would all be crawling right now. There is, there is no possible movement unless we acknowledge that the fear is there because it tells us that this is meaningful for me and then I move forward to that. And fear is also, in a way, stopping you from taking foolish risks. So fear is what stops us from jumping off buildings, right? Because without fear, who would want to be without fear? Because then we would all do things and kill ourselves very soon. So fear keeps us safe. Fear tells what tells us what is important. And that's why it becomes such a meaningful friend. But only if we can stop and not make it wrong and listen to it. I think this distinction between fear that's keeping us safe and fear that is holding us back is so important, right? Like there's there are so many moments where we're afraid to make a wrong decision. And it's, you know, in our brains, we're like, oh, this is because we're trying to stay safe. But in reality, it's because this thing is really important to us, as you're saying. And it may be a stretch, right? It may be a, a risk to to make a decision that could be wrong. But ultimately, that's how we are going to learn and grow. And we're going to move in the right direction. And recognizing and being able to distinguish what kind of fear am I feeling, right? Am I feeling fear because this is really important and I want to get it right? Am I feeling fear because I'm stretching myself and I'm not confident yet that I will be able to deliver? Or is this fear because something could go terribly wrong and I need to protect myself, my team, my organization, my client, whatever it is. Like those are three very different kinds of fear you're speaking to. And I, I think you're right that we don't often distinguish between them. And we kind of just let it say, oh, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling hesitancy. I'm feeling anxiety. And I'm just going to like push that away because I don't want to feel that. And I feel bad for it. And I'm just going to turn it over here and focus somewhere else and try to like avoid that feeling as opposed to sitting with it and exploring it. Exactly. Yeah, and I think sitting with it, so there is there is some research which says that any emotion, if we allow it to just be there, it cannot survive for more than 90 seconds in our body. If you just sit with it, if we just breathe, it will circulate itself out in 90 seconds. But if we stop fear, we can stay scared and threatened for decades. If we stop anxiety, if we stop sadness, if we stop any emotion, we can actually the emotion can actually persist in our bodies for decades and it has very, very negative or very, very clear and visible uh, physical and, emo and emotional symptoms. Oh, wow. I am going to try, <laughs> try that one because that feels really, really powerful to just breathe through it for 90 seconds or a minute and just allow that feeling to settle and dissipate. And we, we need to wrap up, even though we have more paradoxes we didn't even get to, but we have to wrap up. So... Summit, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? Yes. So this is a person named Marco, and I was working with him around seven years ago. And he would be my manager and I would meet him. And the first question which he would ask is that, tell me about each member of your team. right? And he, he wasn't asking about their projects or what they were doing. He was asking about whether they were happy. He was asking about whether they were frustrated. Uh, whether they were excited, whether they were learning and growing. And if not, then what am I doing to take care of that? And which was 
such a shift for me because uh, at that point of time, I have heard about all of empathy and emotional intelligence, but I've never seen somebody embody it like that, somebody leading by example. So he would always ask me about my my people first. Then he would ask me about myself. How am, how am I doing? What do I need from him? And only then we would talk about projects. Only then we would talk about deadlines or like anything which uh, we normally term under the under the umbrella of work. Uh, so that that was a huge example for me, but that also gave me the permission to actually go deeper and then lead by example myself. So beautiful. I hope more managers will, will take that approach and really learn not just about their team, but for those who are up levels, learn about the people below them and investigate and, and support that. Beautiful. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? So I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Otherwise, I have my website, which is deployyourself.com. I also have a newsletter and and a podcast, um, which is which is right on the front of on my website. Wonderful. Thank you so much again for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I loved it as well. Thank you for having me. Summit is offering members of the Modern Manager community at the Sprout level or above a 20% discount on Deploy Yourself, a six-month group coaching program for leaders. This program has two start dates coming up, July 15th and September 15th of 2022. This program will help you create better results in less time, build strong relationships, and find meaning and joy. Also, if you are a member of the Modern Manager at any level, you get access to the private podcast feed that has extended interviews. So in this case, Summit and I talk about two additional paradoxes. To become a member and get the discount and the extended interviews, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.